0: A professional mermaid says unwanted advances from (laughs) merverts is the worst part
1: of the job. Just like that, you've been made aware of a new profession and its very serious problems and the word (laughs) mervert...
0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Share a Slice with Sean. Today I'm hailing from the local park. I'm looking after the little one, making sure he doesn't fall off the, uh, the uh, play equipment or monkey bars, whatever you call that these days. But I will not let my lack of time or my lack ability to get to a fancy microphone right now to impede the release of the interview that I did long ago with Raina, the Halifax Mermaid. Uh, the interview actually I think probably would have been back in February, and I'm um, finally now getting back to releasing interviews, a uh, bit of a burnout there. And so yeah, without further ado though, let's go ahead with the interview with Reina. Oh, but but before I do that I just want to let you know that at the end of the episode I'm going to be playing a new song by the Fantastic Plastics, previous uh, guests on the show, called Perfect Strangers. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, So now, uh, without anything else, uh, before it starts raining on my head here, um, let's go to the interview with Raina, the Halifax mermaid. Okay, so you don't actually believe you're a real mermaid, do you?
1: What are you talking about? I'm calling you from my shell phone right now. (laughs) No, I am a professional mermaid performer. It means that I spend a significant amount of my time in a 50-pound silicone rubber prosthetic holding my breath underwater trying to make it look easy
0: yeah i mean i could never do that like first of all i'm kind of claustrophobic and it's like you're kind of swimming around in some sort of like it's almost like i don't know this is going to sound really morbid but it's it's about the size of a i guess it's bigger than a coffin but it, it definitely is small if you're claustrophobic and it's and it's water and I'm I'm just not much of a swimmer myself, but you're in that tank of water, what, for hours or something? How long are you in there usually?
1: Uh, the most I'll do in, in one stint is about two hours because you get cold. Um, and you need to eat and use the bathroom and keep hydrated and it's a long time to be on performing. Like Performers aren't, unless you're you know, like a rock star, you're not usually out there in front of people for two hours straight. So we tend to go in shifts with the mermaids but sometimes we are in that little traveling tank and other times we're in a big aquarium. Uh, sometimes we're putting on shows similar to synchronized swimming in pools and other times we're doing tourism events where we're right out on the beach
0: Yeah, so, and you're doing, I mean, you do, like, children's events, and and you do, like, you know, you were also at the G7 Halifax Ocean Summit recently as well, so you do, like, all kinds of shows, and it's you and, like, a whole bunch of other mer- what? Okay. Merfolk, right? Is that
1: merfolk. What- yeah. Yeah. My husband and I own the company. Um, we just hired our 13th mermaid. Um, so we have uh, mermaids, mermen, and what we call mer wranglers. And a merrangler's job is basically like the spotter. They're making sure everyone's safe. Um, they're handling the public. They're moving us from point A to point B. They're sort of acting like security. So in addition to the people in the tails, we've got the muscle too. <laughs>
0: so, okay. So just to get a little on the uh on all the lingo here so you have mermaid so that's a, a female mermaid merfolk yeah and then you have a merman technically i guess and then you have a mer wrangler and the mer wrangler that's the person who i i guess uh i mean wrangles the wrangle i mean <laughs> literally you can't walk when you're in that thing so someone has to kind of put you in a wheelchair right and kind of wheel you towards the tank
1: Yeah, we try to minimize the amount that they're actually lifting us because if you take, you know, I'm like 140 pounds and then my tail is 50 pounds and if I'm being moved from, yeah, if I'm being moved from water, there might be like another little bit of water in it making it heavy as well. So we try to minimize how far the wranglers actually have to physically lift and move us. So we use things like wheelchair, dolly. Um, Sometimes we'll have uh, two mer-wranglers do like a fireman carry to move somebody to to make sure we're minimizing the risk of anyone having an injury, uh, but yeah, we can't walk when we're in them. We always get asked that, which I think is really funny because when you see it, it's quite obvious we can't walk. <laughs> and and uh, I don't, I don't feel like flopping anywhere. So, <laughs>
0: you know, you know, like like just flopping all over. And 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 not only that, but uh, okay, so the and, and then you have mermish too, right? And that's the language that mermaid mer people speak. More people.
1: Yeah, so it's a trick that we do when we're underwater, where we make clicks and squeaks, and uh, and you can actually hear it underwater. It's kind of similar to um, echolocation with whales and dolphins. So it's it's really neat because you can get some really cool effects with it. We call that mermish and then when kids try on mermaid tails we call them merlings because they're like little merlings
0: (laughs) merlings yeah okay like little merlings or kids and and you guys work with kids uh a fair bit right i mean you have your own like mon what is it monofins that you guys sell for for kids
1: Yeah, so I'd say about half of our work comes from working with children and that's either doing things like um, teaching lessons where we do teach them how to swim. Mermaid tails are really popular with kids right now but they can also be very dangerous so it's really important that kids are learning to use them in a supervised manner in a controlled environment so that we're reducing the risk of any injury or drowning. Nobody's ever drowned from them before but we'd like to keep it that way. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, So we have programs like Mermaid School which is a weekly program that kids can come to, or we do drop in workshops, or we do mobile workshops. We traveled to like New Brunswick and put on um, mermaid school there, and we do children's parties. And um, we also do a lot of children's charity work. I was a sick kid growing up, and I benefited from uh, Children's Wish Foundation. They sent me to Disney when I was a kid. So we actually. Uh, do a lot of time donating to children's wish, make a wish, and um, similar charities like that. So we'll you know get to grant wishes or go to the fundraisers or um, sometimes we actually like go and visit kids in the hospital in costume, which is really fun. <laughs>
0: Oh, I mean that's fin. That's fantastic. That's great fin- stuff. Fin,
1: fantastic, fantastic. Oh, I got get. We got to get you.
0: Got to get you. Well, another thing that another word that I ran into, and this is the thing that I think drew everybody uh, to you, was that you were mentioned um, on the Stephen Colbert show, The Late Show. And you're also on Fox News and New York Post, but maybe not for the most um, innocent of reasons because uh, (laughs) you were – you came out about a a horrible – Risk or, or, or problem with being a mermaid, and that's that there are lots of merverts out there, or at least a few merverts. merverts. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, you run into this with a, a lot of hobbies and uh, jobs where people have to dress up. So, you know, in the cosplay industry, right. you know, they have this saying that cosplay is not consent, and it's sort of the same thing with mermaids. And the interesting thing about all that viral coverage is it all spawned from, you know, pretty much one sentence in a different article that covered, you know, everything that I do. And I mentioned, yeah, and sometimes we have to deal with men who sexually harass us. And we came up with a name for them. It's Merverts. And next thing you know, there's all these articles. Um, one of the articles went and searched through, like, mervert comments that I had gotten years ago on YouTube and, like, oh. showed those comments. Um, and uh, Stephen Colbert, it just having him quote me was just so amazing and I don't have cable, well, I, I do now but I didn't at the time and all of my friends were freaking out and I was freaking out because I was thinking, oh no, what is he saying? Is it okay because I can't see this? Um, but it ended up being a really great, funny piece where he kind of balanced calling out the seriousness of you know sexually harassing people but also having a little fun with the term and he came up with his own term, sevience, which I loved. <laughs> And we've definitely adopted it, but it's just basically the same thing um, that women face in everything: is that we'll just get uh, some men who who think that um, because you're doing a certain type of work that that entitles them to certain things, and. Um, the seriousness of the issue is not only just that we get sexually harassed and physically harassed. It's also that these men will come to children's events, wait wait in a lineup Ugh, of children, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and, and literally wait their turn in a lineup of children just to get to the front to grope a mermaid or heckle a mermaid. And to me um, – I own the company, so I have no qualms about (laughs) yelling at these men. I had a man do this at a a family picnic, a family-friendly picnic, and I had myself and two other mermaids, and we're all lined up, and kids are waiting. It's like a half-an-hour queue, and it's like Disney. They're waiting at this queue. They get up. We put a little fin on them. They get their picture taken. They get to ask us a question. We give them a little postcard, and they go on their way, and we had this man wait through this whole lineup, and he targeted You know, my most beautiful mermaid who happens to be my shyest mermaid. And he just started yelling at her about taking her top off and real mermaids. And, and I just lost it because my poor mermaid is so embarrassed and she doesn't know what to do. And the kids are freaked out because there's a grown man That's yelling. That's just
0: not right, man.
1: And it, it happens so much. So I put this man on the spot myself and just, you know, we used to have one strip bar in our city. And it was across the bridge and it was called Ralph's. So I just yelled really loudly, sir, this is the family Friendly event. Look at all these children. If you want to see topless women, you need to go across the bridge to Ralph's, and he turned so red and he got so mad. And I just thought, now you know how it feels. <laughs> it's not very nice, is it, when someone makes a public spectacle out of you that way? Um, but when I had the uh, the, the Fox News coverage. Um, I had talked in my original interview about very serious situations. Um, That was a serious situation. Uh, I had another one where I was working a charity event and a drunk man came over, thought it would be hilarious to stomp on my tail to quote unquote see if it was real. And he hurt my ankle so badly that I needed physiotherapy. Oh, my and God. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And when when Fox News put up the article and I made the mistake of reading the comments... Um, you know the comments were like well what does she expect for dressing that way <laughs> I'm kind of laughing oh there you go Dr- dressing dressing what way I'm literally rubber from the neck down <laughs> like there's no midriff showing there's no you know chest showing it's literally rubber from the neck down <laughs> yeah I,
0: I, it's interesting i i mean it, i'm I'm looking at some of these like uh, uh uh comments uh here it's like you're delicious you're delicious even without any tartar sauce and uh hello and i would was like left, to go ahead those
1: were left on videos of children those were left on videos of children it wasn't Ugh. even like it was like hey here's the behind the scenes of a photo shoot and i'm like upping the sexy factor it's like me swimming in a pool with kids and, and these men leave these comments
0: That I mean, that's crazy. And and I was reading one of the articles. I think this this comes from the Fox News here. It says, another time while doing a promotional photo shoot at a beach, we were stopped by a man insisting we must be filming a porno and asking if mermaids were a fetish. Uh, During a family-oriented event full of young children, a man waited in a lineup with kids we're getting photos just to heckle us about taking off our tops. Yeah, there we go. That's what you were saying. And I mean, uh, it's amazing these these guys. I mean, the uh, the length that they they go to, it it is pretty uh, it is pretty unfortunate, I guess. I, and and the stomping thing, I mean, it it's just horrible that you guys, you know, go through that. I I was actually looking at another video where um yeah, one of the the mermaids was talking about how some merverts will uh get annoyed if if your wrangler is near like they don't want your wrangler there because yeah uh, you know because then they 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 think that they had it's fair game it's amazing how how these these i guess this objectification or something to the to the max you know and uh, mm-hmm. it's it's a shame they and- don't see that.
1: It's really difficult too because um, mermaids will change their behaviors and their costumes to avoid that. Um, I know, you know, I don't take very often uh, bookings where there's alcohol present occasionally I will at the G7 there was actually alcohol present and they they hired us an actual security guard which was amazing because I had a drunk man who was just convinced he was going to get right in the tank with me <laughs> so thankfully I had a very savvy security guard who just sidestepped that guy um, but it, it's uh, it's really sad because they will change their outfits um, y- you know not dress quite as spectacularly they'll uh, A lot of of them don't feel confident enough to say something or call out those behaviors. They're scared of upsetting the clients. Um, If they work for another mermaid company, they're scared of upsetting them. But for me, it's built right into my contracts with every uh, venue and client that we have is that we do not, under any circumstances, tolerate sexual harassment and I will not um, allow it of my team. So, you know, security has to be in place. Uh, that's my husband's favorite joke because he's often being security, and if you remember the mad TV character <laughs> who's always calling security, security, <laughs> <laughs> Bon Cui Cui, I think she is, so <laughs> so that's our little joke sometimes. We call him security to come over, um, but it's frustrating that they won't respect us when we say no, but they'll respect a, a man in a shirt when, when he says no, So, um, but it happens to me less and less. Because I take no shit, and I don't let my team take it either.
0: Shut it down, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, but you do get aggressive people. I mean, I shut people down, and then they get mad and kick me because I've shut them down. Um, and we're in a real vulnerable situation because we cannot get up and walk away. We're stuck in these costumes. I did a photo shoot at the beach once. muscle heady guy came over, picked me up, like just from behind. Um, and I'm like completely... I'm not saying anything in the moment because I'm just sort of so disoriented that a stranger has picked me up, and he squeezes my thigh again to see if I'm real, and he squeezed me so hard that he left a handprint through an inch of rubber on my thigh. That's how hard this man squeezed me. And um, and then, you know, my husband comes running and gets him to put me down, and the guy's obviously at the beach drunk and everything, and but it's just mind-blowing <laughs> that people feel That is mind-blowing.
2: <laughs>
0: You know, you know that that's interesting. It, it kind of reminds me a little bit of. Uh, I mean, my wife. Uh, she complained that uh, when she was pregnant, actually, a lot of people, men and women, would feel like they could just go over and start rubbing her belly,
1: mm-hmm. like yeah. without
0: asking. And she's yeah. like, "What? Am I no longer human or something?" You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just feel like people really view entertainers as if they have a right for them, and I may yeah. be pretty, you know, I may be pretty low down the totem pole as a mermaid, but you see it in every stage when people try to justify. You know, leaks of celebrities' information and stuff, and it's like, well, they're you know, they're a celebrity. That's part of it. You deal with tabloids and and uh, leaks, and it's like, but should they, <laughs> like, really, just because they've got this elevated stature, that means that we get to kick them all the time, and it just seems to be like a general attitude towards um, entertainers, and sometimes I do find that. Um, Sometimes it can stem from a little bit of resentment as well. Like, yeah. I get to do this really amazing job, and then I'll have a parent come over, or even a random adult who's not a parent, and declare to all the children that I'm not real. And it's like, geez, do you do you wait in line for Santa and do that as well? <laughs> like, um, and it's like they're angry. Oh, I had an issue once where um, I used to—I don't have time anymore—but I used to go to karaoke all the time with my friends. And the guy who ran karaoke has known me since I was a kid, so he knows all my mermaid stuff. And anytime I get up on stage to sing, he makes a big deal about, oh, here's the mermaid. Here's the little mermaid. She can sing and everything. So I sang a song. I think I sang Alanis Morissette or something, and I came off the stage. And this man was reaching his hand out and I thought it was to give me a high five. And people did that at this bar all the time. They just give you a high five if they like your song. Mm-hmm. So I I went, you know, I had my hand out thinking he was gonna high five me, and instead he yanked me off the stage and started screaming at me, like literally screaming at me, that I am not a real mermaid.
0: That's crazy. Was,
1: it is so crazy. He got kicked out of the bar, but I was so flabbergasted. Um, that I couldn't say anything in the moment, and this is what happens to many women, like we're not expecting someone to aggressively come at us like that, and people say, well why don't you say anything, why don't you stop, but if you're not expecting something, you're, you're just stunned, and you don't, you can't, not all of us can instantly react. I've gotten a lot better at it, but in this moment, I just kind of stood there, Well, this man screamed at me for five minutes about how I'm not really a mermaid. I should be ashamed of myself for lying to people. And it's like, yeah. And we get that a lot. If you look at any viral mermaid content, whether it's a picture, a video that's getting shared on Facebook, a Reddit post, um, Fox News, whatever. There are people in the comments freaking out that we're pretending to be real. I had um, a video go viral that hit a million views. And, like, one of the comments was like, she has knees. She's not real. (laughs) And I'm just like, okay, mermaids aren't real. So however I portray it is up to me. And that's a really weird thing to get stuck on. (laughs) That's
0: so sad. I mean, you got to wonder about, like, how... Firmly people like that have a grip on reality if they have to call that stuff out, you know, you got to You got to wonder. Let's uh, let's jump back here. I mean, how long have you been interested in uh, in mermaids? Uh, I mean, what's your relationship with the with the this character?
1: Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, well, I've been a professional mermaid for a decade now. This past September was my 10th year um, since I had first started doing gigs, and it just built up really slowly, like, you know, a really subpar costume, doing like a handful of gigs a year, and uh, slowly over the years, it became more and more and more, and it, it all started because, In my early 20s, doing my first degree, I have two degrees. Uh, My first degree is in child development, which is why a lot of the work we do is so focused on children. I like to utilize my education. Yeah. Um, But when I was doing this degree, I got extremely sick, extremely sick. And at the time, we didn't know what was wrong. Um, But really what was happening is I had multiple chronic illnesses and the stress of university and some other difficult things in my life had kind of brought all these symptoms to a head. And because there were so many symptoms, it was difficult to pinpoint what exactly was going on. I mean, I was tested for like Lyme disease and MS and all this stuff and I was really, really sick. And what happened is I started to get really depressed. I was experiencing incredibly bad leg pain, which was starting to quite honestly affect my mobility. I was having trouble getting up and down the stairs. I went to a university where you had to walk a lot of distance to each building and a lot of it was uphill and I was really struggling. I started skipping classes just because I didn't think I could walk to the class. and. Nobody knew what was wrong with me. And when doctors don't know what's wrong with you, they make you think it's all in your head. So then I was just thinking it was all in my head. So I was very, very, you know, very depressed. I was like, this isn't what my 20s are supposed to be like. Um, This is horrible. What am I going to do with my life? And how am I going to get through this? And I was doing physiotherapy, and it was really hard because every time I went, it caused me more pain. But if I didn't go, my mobility locked up and then it was like more pain in the long run. So, I was home in bed and I was living with my aunt at the time and she had digital cable and Splash came on um, like the movie network or something. It's a 1984 film for anyone who doesn't know. You should really go see it because it's very adorable, it's on Netflix. It was, uh, I think it was Tom Hanks' first or second leading role. And Daryl Hannah and they're both babies in it. They were like my age at, at that time in their twenties. And it's just, you know, a classic retelling of a mermaid story. And I remember watching Daryl Hannah. I'd seen the movie really before, but it was like I was seeing it with new eyes. She she was had this beautiful mermaid tale, and I remember thinking, There's no way that's CGI, because this is like nineteen eighty nine or eighty-four or something. So I started Googling it and I found all the behind the scenes of Making the Tale and it was made by a special effects artist who went on to win several Oscars, including one for E. T. And what's really fun is that in a roundabout way, he's now my friend. I've visited him in California. <laughs> I have like gifts from him. So like if only little sick twenty one year old me knew that she was gonna everything was gonna turn out all right, but I didn't know that back then. And I was just really amazed that Daryl Hannah had done all of this training to learn to swim in this big suit, and I just found it all so fascinating. And so while I was sort of Googling that, I discovered um, the first professional mermaid, Annette Kellerman, who was a professional mermaid 100 years ago. And now this is kind of like a pivotal moment in my whole life, not just my mermaid career, but here was this woman who had all the symptoms I had, and biographies about her, some say polio, some say rickets, some say they don't know for sure what it was, but whatever it was, something was giving her terrible leg pain, weakness, and mobility issues. So her doctor told her to start swimming, and she did, and it made her stronger and helped her cope, and, and she started to get really good at it. And this is back when women had to wear dresses. And she started beating men at all of these contests swimming, and then before she knew it, uh, she started landing like. These, these big contracts and, and doing performing and doing these contests and so she invented the modern day bathing suit, uh, we would call it like the Marilyn Monroe bathing suit um, to keep her from being hindered by these big dresses and mm-hmm. then she was, arre- she was arrested for wearing it <laughs> because yeah. of indecency laws
2: um,
1: so she fought it in court and she won with the compromise that she wore it with like tights so she did that um, and then she just went on to do crazy, ridiculous amount of stuff. She published the very first fitness book ever, which I have a copy of. It's amazing. Um, at the president at the time, um, he had uh, polio in one leg, and she like personally trained him to like help him deal with his polio leg. Um, she filmed the first movie that cost a million dollars to make, and it was all underwater. She made mermaid tails that are um, on display at a museum in Australia because she was originally from Australia, and she swam in those in aquariums. She'd do these big high dives and, like, dive into, like, a pool of crocodiles and stuff. And she was, like, this badass feminist. And it was, like, every time life threw her, you know, this awful thing. Like, I think she did an aquarium show and the aquarium collapsed while she was in it. And she got, like, seriously injured and stuff. Um, She just went on to, like, overcome and do more and more and, like, take her pain and turn it into something amazing. And, um... (sighs) She went on to be portrayed in a film um, called Million Dollar Mermaid. And, um, Oh shoot! The woman who portrayed her is—my mind is just going blank on her. But she was very famously known for doing uh, water as well, while well, all this water work. And actually, it's like people confuse the two of them, and they credit her with all of Annette's stuff, but it's actually Annette who did it. So like Annette sort of founded water ballet, which went on to become synchronized swimming and all this stuff. Like it's really quite amazing. Was
0: it? Uh, um, is it uh, Esther Williams?
1: Yes, Esther Williams. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So Esther Williams portrayed her, and I get... um frustrated sometimes because Esther William gets all the credit for the things that Annette actually did because people saw the movie about her and think she's portraying herself don't realize it's two separate people.
2: Wow. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. So anyway she just did all this amazing stuff and she starred in the first film that had um, like artistic nudity in it like all, all this crazy stuff like she was amazing and then when she retired she did all this volunteering um, for like the Red Cross and stuff and and then when she died she had her ashes uh, spread on the Great Barrier Reef and um, and that actually happened around um, like a decade before I was born, I think, but like just before my birthday, which was kind of interesting to That's me. That's
0: interesting, yeah.
1: Yeah, like, so uh... I just, right, serendipitous, um, and actually I found some old photos of her, and I was kind of really struck by how similar we looked, and with our body shape, and, and our face and things, and I don't know, like something in me just clicked, and I thought, man, if this woman could overcome all of these things that I'm dealing with and then some a hundred years ago, why can't I do it? Like, I I need to be able to to do this too. And between her and Splash, you know, I was so inspired by the mermaid thing. So I started looking up mermaids. Um, Back then, there was maybe like three or four Mermaid performers ever like in like the whole world that were actively doing stuff. Uh, one of them is my mentor, uh, Mermaid Linden, who invented that monofin that I sell. Another was uh, Hannah Frazier. She is the daughter of Andy Frazier, who was the guitarist bassist for Free, that band Free, they do that song. Um, it's all right now. Now,
2: <laughs> Okay.
1: So, yeah, so that's kind of, like, a cool thing, like, and he was in bad company and stuff, so, like, so I just think it's funny that, like, his daughter grew up to be a mermaid that, like, inspired me, and I listened to his songs on the radio, like... <laughs>
0: It's, um, so. it's inspirational for sure. And like you, so like y- you had all of this working for you and you just decided, well, maybe I'm since uh, like, because you had this illness, you, you were having problems with mobility walking uh, that you, you just decided I'm maybe I'll just be a mermaid. Maybe I'll just swim. Right.
1: Yeah, well, I didn't start off so cut and dry. I All I really wanted to do was swim in a pretty costume. The women that I saw pictures of <laughs> and video, they look so beautiful and so elegant, and I have never been elegant. Um, I went on to be diagnosed with dyspraxia, which is um, it's considered a learning disability. It's a gross motor disorder, which I've had my whole life. It doesn't cause pain, but it causes coordination and weakness issues. Mm-hmm. And when you combine it, if you combine it with an illness that causes pain, it exacerbates the symptoms. So I was diagnosed with that. I was diagnosed with endometriosis, which is an incredibly, incredibly painful disease. Um, Honestly, the pain from it made me suicidal until I was able to get help, but it took me nearly 10 years for that disease to get diagnosed, which is actually the average. Um, One in 10 women have it, and Because of um, current healthcare methods of assessing it, it takes most of us about 10 years, and it's definitely one of those things where it's like, oh, it's just all in your head, it's stress, and then they put a camera inside you and they see the disease, and they're like, oh, no, wow, this is why you feel horrible, right?
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) my my wife can attest to that. She actually uh, had a hysterectomy uh, because of uh, issues with her uh, uterus, and it took her forever to uh, oh. convince the doctors that she was really in pain and she just wasn't being some sort of hysterical woman or something, I don't know what was going through through their heads, right? Mm, it's and finally, awful. yeah, well, finally, when they took it out, they're like, "Well, you know, this thing was like actually all twisted up." No, we can kind of tell why you were in uh, brutal pain. Mm-hmm,
1: She's like, "Well, totally. thanks,
0: uh, thanks for," uh, and I don't know. Uh, maybe it's because if you're someone who can deal with pain, Uh, you're not, you know, if you're not, you know, on the floor, violently convulsing, screaming all the time, they don't take you seriously. I'm not sure what it
1: is. Well, with endo, we are, you know, I belong to a support group here in Halifax. And honestly, we are. So I'm very lucky that um, hormone intervention worked for me, I basically have to suppress uh, Mm. most most of my hormones in order to keep the disease at bay. And if that didn't work, I was gonna have to do a chemo drug. Um, So even though there's all these awful side effects with the hormone suppression. It's better than chemo. So, <laughs> um, But some women don't respond to any of these things. And even after getting a hysterectomy, this disease still grows. I have friends that are permanently disabled from it. Um, it's I was definitely like throwing up, blacking out from pain. It was impacting my whole life. Um, I couldn't plan anything because I might have an endo attack. They'd given me like opiate painkillers. I couldn't believe how easily they doled these things out and um, and they didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. I would show up at emergency with bags of painkillers saying, I don't want these. Like I'm not a drug addict. I'm not here for drugs. These don't work. I want you to find out what's wrong with me. Um, so I had that and a disease that often goes with that is, is, is a bladder disease which has similar symptoms called interstitial cystitis and uh, they, they're called the dirty duo because they often go together. Um, so these two diseases combined with the dyspraxia just gave me um, really bad pelvic pain. So if you were to like sort of flex your abs. Everything that's attached there—organs, muscles, tendons—that go down onto your legs, up into your back—that um, is the kind of area where I would feel pain. And if I couldn't get the pain under control, it would move down into my legs, up into my back, my shoulders, and make it difficult to just live a normal life. So I'm in my 20s, trying to deal with this. Um, people think you're too young for this kind of an issue. You can't get help, and here i see this amazing woman who lived 100 years ago who just was like well screw that i'm going to do what i want and i thought that's amazing so i got my first mermaid tail and it looked like something from a fetish movie like <laughs> not going to lie <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was like this latexy stretch vinyl orange thing yeah um, yeah, it, did, it was not pretty. Um, back then we couldn't get monofins in Canada, and monofins um, are basically instead of two swim fins, you've got one and both your feet go into it, uh, and it looks like a whaler dolphin tail. And what they're actually used for is freediving, which is something I'm trained in now. I wasn't at the time, but freediving is when people uh, go down and up on a single breath of air, and uh, often it's just so that they can enjoy things like snorkeling without having to come up for air all the time. But some people do. Do it competitively, where they're trying to go deeper, last longer, that sort of thing. So I didn't even have one of these fins; I just had to put two swim fins in it. And I get this thing, and I go to the lake, and I'm very dubious that it's going to work. So I put a life jacket on, <laughs> and it's be my, too. you know. miles from where I am now, right? But just so funny. Uh, My poor husband has a migraine but he's soldiering through this blistering hot day because he knows how much it means to me and I I get in the water and I kind of paddle around like a duck and I'm like, man, this isn't easy like I hoped it would be and I don't don't, don't think I'm very graceful, I'm not very good at this. Um, But he took some pictures of me after I took the life jacket off and when I got out and looked at the pictures, I was like, wow. I look like a net. Like, it it all came together. Like, this is pretty neat. So I started using this as my motivation to keep working hard on getting better. It was like, well, I want to be good at this mermaid swimming, and I want to buy a better costume. Um, And over the years, you know, every year I would get better at the mermaid stuff, and I would get a little more piece of the puzzle for my health. And I got to the point where I had two degrees, so... In 2012, I graduated with my Bachelor of Education just as the education system in Nova Scotia completely crashed and they were doing everything they could to block new teachers from getting any work. So Most of my peers moved away and at the time, due to some family constraints, I was not in a position to move away for teaching work. So I tried really hard to tough it out, but I couldn't get sub work, had nothing to do with me or my skills and everything just to do with the, the, what was going on in the province at the time. It was very depressing to have spent like seven years of my life in university working towards this goal of being a teacher, barely getting any work. Um, you know, I took a lot of daycare work because at least then I was using my education, but it, there was right. like, a significant, you know, significant pay difference. So it made it really hard to pay off my student loans. So I went for some career counseling, and when I did all of that, they basically looked at me and said, why aren't you doing this mermaid thing? Like, why aren't you turning this into, like, you're doing it, you know, you're doing it on the side here and there, doing parties and whatever. Like, why don't you actually form a company and get some more people working? And I just looked at this woman and I was like, I didn't go to university for two degrees to be a damn mermaid. Like,
0: Said so no like, one ever
1: no. <laughs> like, other I than you? Literally, right. I literally was, like, not having that. So I was really resistant to it and they really kept trying to steer me they were like listen we can hook you up with like entrepreneurship m- mentorship like what are your fears and i was like well i don't know i've never ran a business so fear number 1 <laughs> i'm kind of a sucky swimmer fear number 2 <laughs> um, but they were really amazing and they did hook me up um, with mentorship and there's a lot of awesome entrepreneur programs here so kind of honestly out of desperation because I couldn't get solid work anywhere else and I was like chronically underemployed. I was like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to put all of my money, all of my time, all of my energy into this and see what happens. And as soon as I did that, it took off like so crazy and it hasn't stopped. And it's been like, us. Like it's so nuts. We won, we won a, a bunch of business grants. Uh, one was a ten thousand dollar grant. A bunch of awards. Um, we started getting booked for music videos and getting to meet like celebrities that I've always looked up to. I got to be on This Hour Has Twenty Two Minutes and meet all all of their crew, um, oh, cool. who are so amazing. Yeah, I've got some of them on Facebook and they're so sweet. <laughs> um, and all of a sudden, I started being treated a little bit like the celebrity. Like I would get to go on these shows and I would be so Excited to meet these people, but they were more excited to meet me and wanted to get pictures with me to like send their kids and stuff. Um, So I started adding more and more to my team, and like every time we got a business grant, we could buy another costume. The costumes um, when we were on par, it wasn't a big deal because it would be like a two grand costume, and if you've got a few business grants, you can do that. But now that we're not on par, these costumes are like five grand, so it's really difficult. on par. You Plus, mean
0: you mean Canadian versus U.S.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because
1: yeah. when I because when I started the business, I was really lucky that we were on par, so I was able to to buy a lot without significant fees. But now it's like such a huge and price difference. You've got you know, like importing.
0: You've got like twenty five thousand dollars worth. I shouldn't. I don't know. I hope you have them in a safe or something. But you've got like all these <laughs> fins, and all these outfits. They're, and they're they,
1: insured. <laughs> that's like twenty
0: five thousand dollars worth of costumes, and the costumes look fantastic. And and you. I mean, you must be going to places like. I don't know if I were running a casino in Vegas or something. I'd be like call the mermaids like uh, you know places like this right like uh, you. yeah do I've, I've
1: been to i've been to sacramento california and been in this amazing dive bar and it's uh it's literally a dive a bar, dive bar. <laughs> there is a there's a diving tank that runs yeah. around the whole ceiling, and the mermaids perform it's amazing um there is the silverton casino which is a vegas casino with mermaids in, in a tank like it's really really something and um and when i started um, it was pretty unobtainable for the average person so having those business grants made a huge difference um, and so having the tails really helped us stand out but now that the industry is experiencing a boom and the costumes are becoming more affordable um, there are mermaids everywhere there's so many we don't have any competition really in Canada because we're so spread out you know we're really good friends with all the other professional mermaids but in the states you go to a state like Florida you can't throw a rock without hitting a mermaid there's so mermaids
0: there's, everywhere
1: yeah it's literally everywhere like everybody and they all know me because I've been at it so long that I'm like an, a, an elder right like <laughs> so they all know me so when people travel and run into mermaids they're like oh yeah there's a mermaid in my city and they're like oh yeah Ray." No, yeah, like <laughs> have, so um that's pretty funny <laughs>
0: have you ever like I, i'm just thinking now I, I don't know maybe we covered this a little earlier in the call but i mean you have you ever had anything kind of gross happen i mean because you're i can just imagine you're in this tank maybe you need to share it with other mermaids and like what uh, i don't know i'm just thinking like bodily fluids or like makeup or i don't know hair dye, well, like just right like crazy. there are
1: certain there are certain like issues that anybody who works in the water has to be careful of whether it's swimmers lifeguards, divers whatever and and we have to face all of that stuff too so in pools um one of the big issues we'll run into is that if there's an incident in a pool um of it being contaminated in any way shape or form um, they have to shut down the pool for mm-hmm. like X amount of hours, and it gets treated with a shock treatment, and it has to sit for, you know, by health regulations for a certain amount of time. Well, hotel pools are really not great at following it's that. Pretty
2: nasty.
1: <laughs> and uh, one time, you know, I had a I had a, a high paying client, and I had to go do this gig, and I could tell the pool must have been recently shocked because the chlorine was just so palpable in the air. And I ended up with Parasite called Crypto, um, which comes from Dirty Pools. And I was sick for like a week. It was bad. Um, We'll get things like Pink Eye from Dirty Pools. Uh, we're, we're much more, we've learned, we've learned a lot of these things the hard way, so we're much more proactive at preventing these issues now. Um, our tank for instance, you know, we have a pump, we keep it clean, there's rules, mermaids can't wear certain products when they get in it and stuff like that, so we keep it very clean. Um, but, you know, that's something um, there are waterborne illnesses you can catch as well. Uh, one of the big things in lakes and stuff like this here in Nova Scotia, if, if there's too many ducks and there's a certain bacteria you can can get yeah, so buono, i don't
0: know uh, yeah the, the duck yeah,
1: poo. yeah yeah so i don't remember what the actual term is called but we call it swamp butt <laughs> 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 and it's basically you get hives all over whatever skin is exposed to the water and for us what would happen is we'd swim and then we'd get on shore and sit with the kids and you're sitting in this wet rubber suit so that bacteria is like all on your legs and thighs and butt and everything. And then you get like an awful rash from it. So a swamp butt is not fun. <laughs> oh
0: yeah. Because like um, it's, it's all warm and sealed in and everything. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Not fun. Um, and things like, um, just chlorine burn in general is really hard. It's hard on your skin, hard yeah. on your eyes, hard on your hair. I wear wigs pretty exclusively now, um, because it's taken me like 10 years to grow my hair out since I lost it from a gig. I had, uh, just been in an overly processed pool and when I got out, my hair started coming out in clumps. It was just like so yeah, it was terrifying. It was so acidic and people don't think of these things because when you swim, you know, you tend it's just a little thing but when we're you know, I can sometimes have six, seven, eight gigs in a weekend just going back to back to back, and I'm in that water, you know, seven or eight hours broken up, it's it's brutal for your skin. So, one of the nice things about being a performer uh, at tax time in Canada is that you can actually claim uh, a lot of expenses that have to do with your look. So, your skin care, your hair care and stuff, um, our underwater makeup, stuff like that, and thank God that we can claim it as an expense, because you really do need the really expensive stuff because it's the only stuff that works to like counteract this issue. And where we're in it so much, we just kind of have to bite the bullet and buy it. So um, I use some great products on my skin, and if I ever, you know, have a a time where it's, money's not great because maybe we're not getting so many gigs or something and maybe i don't buy my really good stuff oh man i start to age like 10 years like it's so bad i just <laughs> turned like,
0: into a prune if i'm in there have you have you ever like gotten hypothermia or thought that you were just literally going to freeze to death in the yes yeah,
1: so one time i did experience something called a loss of motor control and we have um like I would like to put a, a disclaimer out there now that I'm thinking of this that we never, ever swim alone. We have trained rescue divers with us because we are holding our breath. Anybody holding their breath underwater, even for... 10, 15 seconds, you are at the risk of a shallow water blackout mm-hmm. or a loss of motor or a loss of motor control. So we always have trained people who are watching us for those signs, and we're trying to be self-aware as well. But when you start to experience something like this, it disorients you and it affects your judgment. So mm. you may not you may not ask for help. So What happened to me is I was performing in an aquarium for an event and the water in the aquarium had been pumped in from the ocean and it had been treated but it was really cold and they'd been heating it for a few days but it only got to about 18 degrees Celsius which if you're outside in the sun, that's fine. But I was in an industrial aquarium with like concrete walls and it was really like it it didn't hold the heat at all. So I started doing my show and doing the tricks and I was going down and everything and I was hyperventilating and you're never ever supposed to hyperventilate because you're not getting the carbon out of your body. But I didn't really realize I was doing it because I was just so cold that that's what was making me do it. And you get all these signs, so you get the normal signs that you expect, like your lips turn blue, your teeth start to chatter, um, your face gets, you know, funny colors. It's when those signs stop that it becomes a problem. So I came up to the surface, and our safety protocol is every time I come up for a breath of air, I have to breathe um, for as long as I was under. I give a thumbs up or an okay to my spotter. And so I came up. And all of a sudden I felt really warm, like really pleasantly warm. Oh. And then and then I started to feel a little loopy and I started to give my okay signal And then I started to sink a little bit. And I'm a very, very floaty mermaid. In order for me to sink, I usually have to put weights in my costume. So when I suddenly became dead weight, my spotter just dove right in and hooked me under the arms. And she kept my head above water the whole time. So I didn't drown or anything, but I definitely um, just like, I had no control over my body anymore. And I was very disoriented. And so she and my husband brought me to the side and warmed me up. And and, and once the feeling started coming back, to my body, I realized just how cold I was. But this is the sort of risk, like when we're performing, is that you get this kind of adrenaline um, from doing your job and the great attention, and oh, I'm just going to do one more flip or something, and um, it's like a runner's high, and yeah. it kind of blinds you to what you're experiencing, which is why it's so important to have a trained person with you. So I didn't, I didn't black out, but I learned um, during my freediving course that what I experienced was a loss of motor control, and people can drown from them. In fact. Um, my friend Rob Stewart, um, he drowned from that. He's um, famous um, documentarian who put out the film Sharkwater, um, and they just his second Sharkwater film just came out and he had been diving at extreme depths um, with a rebreather, and he came up for air, and his friend started having a blackout, so they pulled him on the boat, and in the time it took them to get his friend on the boat, he had had a blackout and sunk under, and nobody was watching him because they were trying to help the other person, and he drowned and died, so like it it's a very serious thing that can happen and in fact we have a lot of people who are trying to free dive here in Nova Scotia without any training or spotters so um, just a little sidebar that now Nova Scotia does have a free diving community I started um, uh, a board with uh, a number of other enthusiasts and we flew some in some trainers down from Montreal and we got a bunch of people trained and now we have an actual program and people can go get certified and you know group things but until, our group kind of did that there were loads of people who would just go swimming in the ocean by themselves like it's like a death wish
0: <laughs> well wow, that yeah that i mean that is crazy and it, it kind of reminds me a bit i mean I, i've never really had that situation but i have uh uh i'm pretty sure i have lasting problems with um with frostbite in my feet because mm-hmm. my, my, my toes in particular get numb and, and they get cold, they get tingly even when it, they're just slightly cold. Like there's like no, there's nothing there. And, and I know that when they do warm up, they're just burning hot. Like they just yeah. feel like they're on fire. And yeah, that's, it's like an
1: uh, offset. Yeah.
0: It's like the opposite. Exactly. Like e- the slightest bit. I, I don't know. Like when your feet become very, very cold, and then I, you know, I would go in the bath. I would have a bath, and my I, I couldn't even put my feet into the water, even though I knew mm-hmm. that the water was just fine. It felt like yeah, they were yeah. on fire.
1: Yeah, I definitely have that experience too, um, and it's interesting because people always ask me as a Canadian mermaid how I handle the cold, and the funny thing is the suits themselves keep me quite warm from the waist down, <laughs> oh. right? It's from the waist up, um, and even our tank shows, uh, when we first started doing this tank show, it was a collaborative effort with the municipality here, and none of us really knew what we were doing. We were trying to we were trying to learn from other companies around the world, but people are very mum on their details. It's like industry secret kind of stuff, and uh, we were the—I think—we're still like the first ones in Canada to to do a tank show, and only because Dalhousie University was um, so awesome enough to lend us a a tank from their aquarium program to use, and. they filled it with water from the fire hydrant and let it sit all day, and it did not heat up. <laughs> like it was so cold, and I couldn't even put my head underwater because I would get ice cream headaches. So I ended up kind of sitting on the top of the tank with the tail in the water because the tail was fine um, until it kind of got back up to a good temperature. And we do this booking for them in this tank every year on Canada Day, and it seems to be like every, like bi yearly we get a freezing cold year and then a blistering hot year and then a freezing cold year and a blistering hot so last year we had um we had like rain and everything and we're trying to do the tank show in the rain so um, by the time we did the G7 they figured out a more reliable way of heating it but then it was almost the opposite problem. It was so warm that when we tried to open our eyes it was like cooking our eyeballs.
2: <laughs> so, Jeez.
1: Yeah so it's like really tricky because you have to think that when people have a hot tub or a pool or something they've got it set up for a season and they get it all adjusted and it's good but when mermaids do tank shows the tanks are only set up for a few days at most at a time. And that is a significant amount of water and, and setting everything up for like a few days. Right. So it's tricky to get it yeah, all. And
0: people don't, people don't realize like, uh, you know, they, they're just like, okay, fill her up with the tank, fill her up with the, the hydrant or whatever. And they don't, yeah. they don't have any idea. So, um, You know, your story reminds me a little bit of a previous episode that I had on the show. Uh, It was actually Silica Contortion, uh, and the uh, performer, her name was Adina. And she was in a similar situation where she was in university, and she was stressed out, uh, and just like she had horrible mobility problems, too. Uh, She had terrible pain uh, i think some pain more more like just stiffness stiffness with her and she said you know what i'm just gonna i'm gonna just do this contortion i'm gonna do like that's my thing that i'm gonna do and she it's interesting it's striking to me because um neither of you guys i think did it to become performers you just did it so so that you could survive like just so that you could find a way to cope right
1: yeah for me like it's really different too I've had a, a lot of success with my mermaid stuff I'm one of the top performers in the world but none of it came naturally it was all and still is a, a copious amount of hard work I have to train constantly to stay at it um, whereas other professional mermaids put on a costume for the first time and they're friggin amazing like my little sister worked for me for years she's currently off on mer turn leave there's another one for you <laughs> mama. Um, yeah she's a mer <laughs> Mama, she's 21. She's 21 now, but she was 14 when she started working for me. Kid put on like this 50 pound suit, hopped in the aquarium, and started doing like the most elaborate flips and corkscrews and twirls, and my jaws on the ground. Like I'm just like, wow! I've been training at this like every day for five years, and yeah, sure, you just be great at it naturally. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and I think like I really was so reluctant for so long, and to be completely honest, like in the industry. Um, when you get to the level of success that i am people either love you or they resent you and I definitely run into the people who resent me, who feel that I don't deserve my success because I'm not a naturally talented swimmer and because I have to work at it. And on the one end, I can kind of see their point where if they're, if they're these amazing talented swimmers and they're not getting gigs, I can understand the frustration of it. But I find with these niche kind of markets, we rely too much on our gimmick. Like we, we rely too much on the look of the costume. We're too much on this one thing. Instead of focusing on a multidisciplinary factor of it all, of, 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 okay, I need to be savvy in business. I, I need to be good with PR. You need your hustle. I,
0: it's all a yeah, lot of that. you need your hustle. It is about hustle.
1: And I think the reason why I am successful is because I've had to hustle my whole life in order to survive the hand I've been dealt with these different illnesses because even before I was sick with these, I was born extremely premature. I held a record in Nova Scotia. I was uh, as big as your hand and two pounds. Wow. Um, and I was, you know, my parents were told not to get attached to me because I was going to die. And I've just kind of, that's been my whole life. I've been the underdog my whole life. Um, and I've had to grapple with these situations. And I've had i had a lot of trouble in my childhood growing up with family issues and with my health issues and things. Um, as an adult, I faced a lot of trauma. Uh, my mom died very suddenly uh, mm. two years ago, you know, it's in a very here. tragic way. Yikes. Um, yeah, it was just the anniversary a few days ago. And uh, I've just... I was in, like, a serious car accident. Like, I've had a lot of trauma, and it's just, like if you want to keep living and and make anything meaningful in this life, I find that for me, the best way to do that is to take those vulnerable parts of myself and turn them into a superpower, you know, like, so my, you know, my swimming sucked. Like I, Sean and I, my Sean, my husband on our first date, we went swimming and I drowned. (laughs) He saved me because I didn't know how to swim and I wanted to swim with the hot guy. So (laughs) I, It's like, you know, doggy Trying paddling. to impress.
0: I'm going to impress yes. you by almost drowning now.
1: Right. Um, it was recently covered in an article in the UK. It's really funny how they dramatized it, I think. They uh, said it wasn't meant to be man bait. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I wasn't a very good swimmer as a kid. I didn't really learn to even doggy paddle until I was 17. I can remember being fascinated by the water but terrified of it too. And a lot of that came from my mobility issues because I just had no confidence in it. I didn't I would try to swim, I wouldn't do well and so I just gave up. And the mermaiding and that's another word for you. It's a verb, mermaiding. Um, <laughs> we have our whole lingo here. Um, it really, really just, I wanted it so bad. I just wanted to do it so bad and to feel strong at something. And It's been such a great catalyst in my life. Because of this, I went on to do freediving. Um, I went on and I got a personal trainer who specialized in people with issues like mine. Now, I'm deadlifting 180. Like, <laughs> Holy smokes. I, that's right good. it's stuff i I never thought I'd be able to do um because this sort of like I don't know it's like once you can sell mermaids, it's like you can do anything because if i if I can go into like a room of marine biologists and and convince them that my mermaiding performances are gonna add something to their aquarium, uh, I feel like I can do anything
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Hey, listen um thanks so so much for being on the on the show today Stephanie.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. This has been really great to tell these stories. I hope they inspire people.
0: Do you Okay, so and just to to leave off here your website it's uh halifaxmermaids.weebly.com. Um, yeah, com. or you can ahead. just do
1: halifaxmermaids.com or halifaxmermaids.com. Yeah.
0: Okay, and also mermaid Raina raina. dot com as well. will be links in the show notes to this, and also check out. You have a great YouTube page too, where you put on your your uh, your your uh, videos, and uh, you also. I'm going to link to some some books you you have too that I, I read about. Um, yeah,
1: I've published three books. I. I followed in the steps of Annette Kellerman. They're called uh, fishy business.
0: (laughs) Fishy business. That's great. I'm going to be putting links to all of that. Thanks so, so much for being on the show and uh, sharing your story.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. I hope it inspires people and a great podcast.
0: Well, that's about it for this episode of Share a Slice. I'd like to thank you for listening. And I'd like to thank Raina for being on the show Uh, You can check out Reina's website. Uh, There'll be links in the show notes uh, on your device along with um, a link to the uh, music video, which I'll be playing the audio from from the Fantastic Plastics called Perfect Strangers. This is from their new album. Do check it out Uh, Previous guests on the show. Great 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 couple Um, also stay tuned for uh, future episodes. Again, I'm I'm thinking about moving the show to YouTube or at least doing a simulcast for now, but for these older episodes, I don't have any audio. Uh, for the latest uh, interview that I did, I did do some audio and video. And I, I don't know, like looking at the video, it's just me on a microphone uh, and the guest. And the guest, it looks pretty natural, but I look pretty, pretty whacked out in front of the microphone I will admit Uh, I'm making some weird and strange faces and trying to keep it together you're going to see me gazing off into the distance trying to form sentences all that kind of thing so but anyway uh, enough of that Uh, do check out the Patreon page please Uh, there'll be a link in the show notes and uh, yeah check out our Twitter and uh, check out the Facebook thanks so so much for listening and uh yeah, we'll be back soon. By, by we, I, I mean me, I, I don't know why I always do that. So without further ado, let's jump into Perfect Strangers by The Fantastic Plastics.